And there's no better song to sing to kick off the series that we're about to kick off this morning because we are in a war. If you're sitting here this morning and, and, or you're watching online, maybe you are, maybe you're traveling on vacation sick, whatever it may be, you're watching us, you're here in the room, and, and, you're, and maybe whether or not you're aware of it or whether or not you want to be aware of it, we are in a war. So what I pray and what I've been praying the last several days that you leave with today is the understanding that we are in a war and that there is someone behind on the other team and his name is Satan. And there are demons and their activities and their work and what is happening around us is very real. Satan, demons, darkness, this evil world that we live in, it is a reality. And so the question that I want you to think about this morning is what do you actually know about Satan? If, if I were to walk up to you and say, hey, what do you know about Satan and demons and this dark world? How would you answer that question? And just like I asked a similar question in our previous series called The Best is Yet to Come about heaven, Christians have some major misunderstandings and struggles when it comes to the spiritual world, specifically the evil side of reality. Sometimes we are guilty of downplaying Satan demons and darkness and very often it's because we maybe are not educated about the topic or we might even be afraid of the topic to some it can just seem downright silly to believe in someone called the devil it's something you would see on looney tunes on saturday morning you know uh, this dark figure with pitchforks and stuff and maybe we even use satan to blame for our sin. The devil made me do it. We've all heard that before. Maybe you've said it. But for me, as a pastor, the hardest perspective for me to tolerate, and I've had to do a bit of it over the years, is the wrong teaching that Satan doesn't really have any power. That he's just a figure of our imagination or it's just us kind of realizing that we're weak and and we don't really have any any you know that he's not as strong as maybe we claim that he is i was even told a few years ago as as i was walking through some difficult seasons that satan was way too busy with big time people to waste his time with little zach in worcester ohio and the reason that this one concerns me the most is because when Christians downplay the enemy's power and interest in our lives, we are never more vulnerable for attack. He's real, he's active, and he is working. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, or even not a Christian, I don't know how you could look around at this world and not see how active the dark world really is. How much evil is around us all the time. And I don't know how you could feel that struggle of our sin nature that's inside of all of us and not be aware of it, that Satan is behind it all. Now, many of you have been much more intimately connected to the evil realm than maybe I will be. Some of you of your own doing, you've, you've dabbled in darkness and maybe dove straight in 
to living in that world. Or maybe your ultimate worst experiences with the enemy or his attacks on your health or your mental well-being. Maybe it was your family or through a series of temptations. And in those times when the forces of evil have unleashed their hell on you, how did you respond? Whom did you seek for help? Did you pray? Run away? Did you engage in the battle with Jesus by your side. You see, when it comes to this unseen battle, these dark forces, maybe you're a veteran Christian and you have way more experience than you ever hoped to have. Or maybe you're new to following Jesus and you don't know exactly what's happening beneath the surface. That's what this series is all about. What lies beneath? Because there is a battle that is raging. And we must know that we're in it. So if you have a Bible, find Ephesians chapter 6 or on your device. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen. We will have the majority of our scripture up for you to see this morning. But underneath the surface, there is a battle going on. We are in that battle as Christians, whether we acknowledge it or not. We've, we've, we've learned that so far. And the focus of this first sermon in this series is to look at exactly who our enemy is his history, his strategy, and then ultimately his destiny based on what information God has given us. Because beneath the surface, we have an enemy. So in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, you can't be ready for a battle or for an enemy that you don't know you have. In any battle, there, you must know your enemy. I want you to think about military for just a moment. This, this section of Psalm, or of Psalm, of Ephesians chapter 6 is written with, with military imagery. Swords and shields and these types of things. And so Paul is setting this up from a military perspective. No military, no nation, no country goes into war with anyone without understanding and knowing who their enemy is first. They don't just jump into the battle. They gather intelligence. They, 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 they look at the enemy and they figure out where are they weak? What do they normally do? What are their weapons? What do they have at their disposal? What can we physically see? They gather intelligence and then they develop a strategy. You look at what you're going to do, how you're going to counterattack, all of the things. You see, no wise person would ever walk into a battle that they were not prepared for, just like no wise person would go into business with someone and not know the other party. Our enemy has a strategy. Why wouldn't we? Our enemy knows us. Our enemy knows our Savior. Our enemy knows the God of the universe, and he has a strategy. He has a plan. He has studied us. He knows us. And he is ready for us. And the Bible is clear that he is an enemy. 
Satan is not a friend. He's not a figment of our imaginations. He is real. So who is Satan? Well, in the Greek, you will see the word diabolos show up. In the Hebrew, it means adversary, or you could put the word slanderer in there. Basically, he's an enemy. He accuses, he lies, and he is filled with deception. He opposes God, and here's what you need to know. That's the biggest thing, is he opposes God, but he opposes you. He opposes me, he opposes us. He's referenced a couple of different ways in our Bible. He's called the serpent in Genesis 3, 14, 2 Corinthians 11, Revelation 12, Revelation 20. And Paul calls, or uh, John 12, 14, and 16 call him the ruler of this world. Paul will call him the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4. He's the evil one in Matthew 13 and 1 John 2, and the dragon in Revelation chapter 12. Satan was a created being. He's not former deity. He's not godlike. He was not the brother of Jesus, and he is not one of the sons of God, like has been taught through the course of history. Ezekiel 28 makes it clear that he was the, one of the greatest created beings. He was beautiful. He was called an angel of light, but he rebelled against God. We're not exactly, we're not told exactly how that all went down, but it's clear that at some point these created beings and angels had freedom to choose like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. Whether, they had to choose whether they would follow God or not, obey him or disobey him. There's an author named Bodie Hodge. He writes a lot of books. He's an author that contributes to Answers in Genesis frequently, but he wrote a book called The Fall of Satan that gives a lot of good research on this topic, and I've got it with me, so if you'd like to look at it or take a picture of it so you could order this book, I highly recommend it. Like the book on heaven from Randy Alcorn, not everything, there's, there's a lot of things that he says, hey, this is my perspective and my opinion, but this is a wonderful resource on the topic of Satan. But I would tell you, if you start studying Satan, watch out. Because there's a weird thing that happens in the spiritual world. Things just get weird, and they get, they get kind of crazy. So maybe don't buy the book. But if you want a better understanding, that might be good. But in the book, Bodhi writes that he believes that Satan fell after creation because God says that everything is very good when he finishes creation. So if Satan and a third of the angels had already sinned and fallen from heaven, roaming the earth, seeking to devour, would God have called everything good? And that's one of the ideas that he presents. But why did he fall? God created a powerful being who along with Michael and Gabriel would have served at God's throne in heaven, but at some point became prideful and wanted to be like God. At some point, as Isaiah chapter 14 tells us, Satan had influence over angels above the heights of the clouds, and a third of the angels went with him, as Revelation chapter 12 tells us. They rebelled against God as well. But there is some hopeful language that we read in our Bibles, because Jesus says in Matthew 25 that hell and eternal damnation was prepared for Satan and his angels that his rebellion will ultimately fail, and, but he wants to take as many with him as he can, either directly or indirectly by rendering us ineffective. 
So maybe our lack of kingdom impact in this world or our apathy about Christian Jesus-focused things might be helping him accomplish that mission. I'm talking to myself there. But he's good at several things. Satan is the master at manipulation. And these are things I, don't put on, I didn't put on the screen, but you might want to write them down. He is the master at, man, at manipulation. Have you ever known someone who has a sick talent of twisting things to fit their own narrative? We see that all over the place. It's been in me before. And in Matthew chapter 4, Satan offers Jesus the kingdoms of the world. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But, but Satan likes to make promises. He likes to, to guarantee some things. And, and he offers something that he can't actually provide. Satan can have power over things like weather systems and even bacteria. You see this in Job chapter 1. He controls the weather. In Job chapter 2, he infects Job with a skin disease. So he has some power over those things. Satan can influence the government and legal systems. In Revelation chapter 2, it records that Satan will influence Smyrna's legal proceedings by throwing a group of Christians in prison. And he controls some governments as well. In Job chapter 1, he gets the Chaldeans to, he encourages and influences the Chaldeans to steal what is Job's. Satan strategically seeks to trap Christians. Satan and his demons, they study people and they seek to tempt and twist them into lifestyles and patterns of sin. That's evident in Job as well. Satan said, have, could, I, could I have my way with Job for a lack of better terms? And that's, these are often things that are just tailor-made just for us. For, for you and I in this culture, it might be the things that we see on social media or food. Maybe it's identity or age, uh, gender. All of those things are thrown into the mix and we fall into the traps. And when you fall into those traps, you know pretty quickly who is behind those things. Satan is very skilled at deception. John 8, 44 says that he is a liar. That's his nature. If Satan is speaking, he is lying. He is the original liar. Every lie started with him. But deception is all he has against us. Colossians 2, 15 makes it very clear that on this side of heaven, Satan can accuse, but he knows and his demons know that they have been eternally defeated on the cross. But if there's nothing that you've heard this morning, here's where I think you'll understand. Because here's one of the biggest ways that Satan gets us. He targets our minds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, But I am afraid, Paul says, that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and and pure devotion to Christ. Devote yourself to you is the message of the enemy. Instead of Christ increasing and us decreasing, we increase and Christ often decreases. It's my dreams, my desires, my will, my flesh. But here's what's so scary about it. 
When it's all about you, when we refuse to deny ourselves and follow Jesus, they actually lead us away from Christ. And that is the goal. That is the enemy's tactic. That is the enemy's plan to distract, deceive, target your mind, pull you away from Christ. It's nothing new. He's been doing it since Genesis chapter 3. Revelation 12, 9 says, This is the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, and he deceives the entire world. And he does that with lies and manipulation. John 8, 44 says, There is no truth in him, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Many of you have heard this, but according to John 10, 10, his, his ultimate goal is to steal kill and destroy. He influences this world by injecting his evil ideas into the minds of human beings. But this power that he has is short-lived. It's only for a short time that God has seen allow or has allowed it to, to happen. Just as he allowed Adam and Eve the choice, but also warned them of the grave risk of following their own desires. Scripture tells us that Satan is currently the prince and the power of the air. Before Jesus died on the cross, he said in John 14 that he will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has been allowed temporary power by God, but just as Psalm 115 verse 16 says, God has given the earth over to man. Neither of these scenarios mean that God's sovereignty, his right to rule, is compromised or challenged in any way. God has deemed it best to allow this while still maintaining complete oversight that he will never allow anything to occur in your life or my life that he cannot Romans 8:28 with he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose you see with anything satan does whatever he concocts god will shut down or block anything that he cannot use for his good or for his glory he does have billions of demons at his disposal. But Satan does have some limits. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times. And he's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not even eternal like we will be. He's not in all places, cannot see all things, does not know all things. And we can be assured, based on what Romans 8.28 tells us, that Satan cannot hurt us eternally. The best that he's got won't matter very long. Like we learned in the Heaven series, heaven is the future for anyone who trusts in Jesus for salvation. Those who I baptized this morning had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save them. They are eternally secure. They are eternally safe. We are safe in salvation. This place in heaven will be void of darkness, sin, and Satan. He will not be there, and he cannot affect our salvation once we've put our faith and trust in him. We are safe eternally. Back to Ephesians chapter 6, though. Verse 12. I want to read this again. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle this morning is with the enemy of God. We have to remember who our fight is with this morning, not each other. We are not in a war with one another this morning. We are in a battle that is, that is spiritual. And although we've certainly seen how Satan can influence and use God's people to discourage and distract and derail, we can rise above that. God has given us everything that we need to fight the battle. So what can we do? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus gives us an example of how to respond to these moments when Satan comes on the scene and, and does his thing. So in Matthew 4 verse 1 on the screen, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In verse 10, he kind of sums it all up. He says, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is nothing new. But in this battle with the enemy, we can stand on his word and have what we need to fight the battle. We can throw it back in Satan's face that we worship the Lord only. There is no one else who gets our devotion, our focus, and our praise. We will not buy into his lies and how he's manipulating and how he's trying to deceive. We are going to serve God and we are going to serve him only. That's how we can respond in those moments. We live in him. The enemy of God is after us, but we can resist him. We all know what James 4, 7 says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So resist. You know those moments when Satan is manipulating and he is deceiving and he is trying to trap you. He is targeting your mind. He is, he is in your brain. He is, he, is, he, is, he is causing you to think certain things. Resist those moments. And we resist those moments by having his word written on our hearts. We know what is right doesn't mean we always do it. But we know what the right answer is when we have written God's word on our hearts. We run from sin. Paul says that in Ephesians 5. He says to flee, to run from sexual immorality and, and different sins. We fight the enemy. We wrestle the enemy. But we can hold fast to Jesus and his promises and resist the temptation and all the lies. We can get through it and not give in. 1 Peter 5 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. For your adversary, your enemy, the slanderer, the deceiver, I'm inserting those words because they could all be used there interchangeably. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. devour. We've all quoted that verse. 
But do we believe, do, do we believe he's actually doing that? Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We're not unique individually. Every Christian has the same battle going on. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be all dominion forever and ever. Amen. Be sober-minded. That means to be calm. To remain watchful. To resist him being firm in your faith. We have to know our enemy. And we have to know the truth. You are not alone in the struggle. You are not alone in the battle. We have each other, but we have the Spirit of God living inside of us who will give us all understanding of the truth of Scripture, and He will guide us and direct us and show us where it is that we are to go. He will restore, He will confirm, He will strengthen, and He will give us everything that we need for His honor and His glory, because He is Lord. Okay, Ephesians 6, one last time. Verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And I think you should under underline this. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. God has given us the weapons that we need to fight the battle. God has given us the weapons that we need to fight this battle that we're in. But you're going to have to come back next week to hear more about that. But here's a little preview. God is strong, and He is faithful, and we find our strength in Him. We have to remember that he's faithful, he's trustworthy, he's, he's strong, he's consistent, he's reliable, and he loves you. We have to remember that, and, but we have to know that, and we have to know him, and we have to pursue him. So are you. He has given us the tools to stand firm in our faith and win the battle, because here's what's true. Beneath the surface, we have an enemy. Beneath the surface, we have an enemy. Underneath all of it, there is a dark force that wants to defeat you, to steal and kill and destroy. So watch out. He will come in unannounced. He will wiggle his way. He prowls around. He will find the moment. He will find the spot, and he will try to distract you. He will look for the moments that you are weak. He will look for the times when you are struggling in your faith and you're not reading your Bible and you're not praying and you're not serving with gladness and you're not giving with joy and he will sneak into those moments and he will say, hey, serve yourself. Live for you. Don't live for this mission of Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel to a world that I have been blinding their eyes. Because this is what he does. Through the work of Christ, Here's the encouraging thing that we all have access to 
or have responded to. Through the work of the cross, these workers of darkness have been defeated. Just listen to this, write this down, read it on your own. In Colossians 2, verses 13 through 25, or through 15, here's what Paul says. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over the cross. So in those moments when you're struggling, we have victory through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we can say, not today, Satan. Jesus already disarmed you. He already took care of you, and I belong to him. Those are some ways that we can respond. Because Jesus changes everything. But some people still live as though they have no idea how to wage war with the enemy. Some people still live as though they have no power over sin. And you don't. But Jesus does. And he lives inside of us, as Ephesians 3 says. His spirit is in you. You see, Jesus changed everything on the cross. The power of Satan has been disarmed, and he has been eternally defeated. I just referenced this a moment ago, but in Colossians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So maybe you're here this morning, and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You have not called on him to save you from your sins. I want you to know something this morning. All of us have access to the gospel, but we have an enemy that does not want you to respond to the gospel. And he will stop at nothing to keep your eyes blinded to the truth that Jesus Christ came and lived the life that you couldn't live, that he never sinned, and he paid the price for your sin by dying on the cross of Calvary. And he makes it really easy, but we have this pride inside of us that is reminiscent of Satan himself. And we don't want to, we don't want to humble ourselves and call on Jesus to save us. It's a tactic of the enemy. You're going to miss out on so much living if you become a Christian. It's a lie from the enemy. I have never had more fun in my lifetime than when, I'm, when I am like neck deep in serving Jesus. I have never seen more incredible things than when I am submitted and fully in with what Christ is doing. I have never seen more blessing than when I have given more of my finances to kingdom efforts than when I've hoarded them for myself or something that loses all of its luster. So maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Don't let the enemy blind you any longer. 
call on him to save you. Because the Bible is clear that when we repent and believe the gospel as Jesus said himself, we can have life and we can have life abundantly because that's how John 10.10 finishes. The thief, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Maybe you need to just surrender this morning and give it all to Jesus and call on him to save you. Because beneath the surface, we have an enemy. Beneath the surface, a battle is raging, and it's one for the souls of men, women, and children. He's after marriages. He's after families. He's after pastors and leaders and volunteers. He's after us all. But we can resist him. We can stand firm in the faith. But you can't be ready for a battle that you don't know you're in. You can't be ready for a battle if you don't know your enemy. Because beneath the surface, we do have one. And so that was a surfacey dive into who our enemy is. Maybe you want to dive deeper. Get this book. Several writings about it. But understand that we do have an enemy. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful this morning for Jesus Christ who has conquered sin, death, and the grave. And God, you know that I can only stand and say that because of the finished work of Jesus that we have access to through the pages of our Bibles. So God, I pray that as Jesus responded to the enemy, that we would respond to the enemy the same way with your word, with your truth, because we can stand firm in you. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom that only you can give to stand firm against the workers of darkness in this world, because they are there, they are active, and they are working. So God, help us to trust you, to follow you, and to live for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.